Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to The Universe Next Door, and thank you for being with us today as we get into some apologetics uh, in a very interesting fashion because we have a special guest with us today by the name of Kurt Blattman. He is a uh, Princeton graduate, class of 75, uh, a Christian apologist, and he is the author of a book called The Challenge that I believe you can find on Amazon, and we'll get into that book in just a minute. Um, but, Kurt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Nick. Awesome, and then thank you for being here with us. Dr. Woodward, I know you, you guys go a little bit back, and you both graduated from Princeton, which is, which is interesting. Well, yes. I mean, uh, when I met Kurt, it was just, I think, about eight months ago. It was this summer, and I was in the middle of dealing with some cancer, a melanoma scare, and that was taken care of by some, care of by some surgery of a local expert in this area. But um, Kurt uh, reached out to me just about the same time, and I, was, I remember pulling into the hospital, Morton Plant Hospital here in Clearwater, as I was sharing a little bit of my battle with that, but also just the ongoing strategy of reaching more people and just surfing on top of the tsunami of apologetics evidence, I found out that Kurt has an amazing story. I mean, you talk about, like, hold on to your hat, a guy who's been surfing the, the tsunami, the wave of evidence, pointing to the truth of the Bible, the truth of Jesus as the Messiah, the truth of God's existence and how we have in our own way, battled skepticism while we were students at Princeton University. I just was enthralled. I was captivated by Kurt's story, and we've become dear friends. And he's, he's not just a, a, a guy who walks around with an encyclopedia of evidence in his mind. He has a heart. He has a heart for people and a heart for prayer. And so it's just been a real privilege for me to meet and to grow into this wonderful, sweet friendship with my colleague, Kurt Blattman. So, Kurt, I will resist the temptation to start singing the old Nassau hymn, uh, oh. since, uh, <laughs> we, you know, God used Princeton in a way, but God used the Bible uh, in a way that Princeton could never have done, and that's where we're going to head this day, this uh, in this discussion and this interview. So, thanks, Kurt, for joining us from, was it New York City, right? New York City. Pleasure. That, that's great. Well, of course, Kurt has confirmed that uh, the, the channel through which we're heard in, in New York, the Bridge Christian Radio, is heard nice and loud and clear at 95.1 FM. So let me go ahead, and if you could share your story, Kurt, a little bit about what happened when you were there at Princeton. You, I believe, were, were a skeptic at the time. If you would just tell us a little bit about your story of how God brought you step-by-step step to faith in the Messiah, even, even though you were raised in, this, uh, in a Jewish background. Sure. Yes. As you mentioned, Tom, I was raised in a Jewish home. I was not religious. I had been forced to go to Hebrew school. It wasn't my thing. And I told my dad I wanted to drop out. And he said, if you're not interested, I don't want to keep paying. And he acquiesced. Mm. And that was when you were like 
in like uh, what 10, 11, 12 at that point, maybe junior at that high age, level? Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. remember back when I was about 15, I didn't really believe in God. It wasn't my thing. But when I started Princeton, that's when I really got into atheism. Mm. Four years wow. at Princeton, I only heard the name of Jesus once. It was at Murray Dodge Hall in a coffee house gathering, and I didn't think anything of it. My Bible knowledge back then was pretty much just about zero. Wow. And I like to tell people that I used to love to play the game Jeopardy on TV, and I was really good at it. But every now and then it would be a category called the Bible, and I hated that because I never got anything right on the Bible. That's all I knew about the Bible. I didn't even know the difference between Jesus and Moses. That's how illiterate I was when it came to the Bible. That's amazing. Well, you know, on joining us on The Universe Next Door today is a friend, a colleague in apologetics, and just an all-around great guy. Kurt Blattman, a Princeton class of 75. So, Kurt, when you graduated, and that was just three years after I uh, received my undergraduate degree, the the AB, they, they call it because they use the, the Latin, uh, Artium Baccalaureatii. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. But um, I remember, you know, in 75, that was a, an era when Vietnam was scaling down. Uh, the Jesus Revolution had just happened in the early 70s. Things were kind of shaken up, and categories were being explored that people had never thought about for a long time. How did the God get a hold of you? What was the pathway that brought you, after graduation, to consider Jesus? Well, I would say for a few years I continued to slip into the world of atheism. But about 1980, I would say, I started to realize that It's not a very satisfying life being an atheist. I don't have any purpose. I don't know where I'm from or where I'm going. So I decided to search for meaning. And I remember I had a lot of things going for me. I had a great job, a great education, and a great future. But inside, I was really empty. And I said, maybe if I start to read the great thinkers of the past, I might find some type of meaning. So I must have read 25 books in a year on everything from Eastern mysticism to silver mind control. Uh, I even went to a Buddhist monastery in Manhattan, just searching for meaning. And after all of that, I had more questions than before. I said, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, I'm on the edge of my seat. But what happened then is... I had just been graduated from NYU Business School. I got my master's in uh, finance. And a friend of mine, Mike, he said, would you like to go to church with me one Friday night? And I had never been to a Christian church, but I said, sure. I was always open-minded, and that's why I believe God could work with me. If you're close-minded, then it's very difficult to reach someone. But I was open-minded. I just had never heard the gospel. And after the Friday service, a guy came up to me and started to give me the message of the cross. I didn't think much of it, but I was polite, and I went back to my friend Mike's apartment, and he gave me a book. He said, this is the New Testament. I want you to read it. And I loved to read, never read it before, but I said, okay, and I read it in a week. Wow. Wow. And it said things I had never heard before, that I have a sin nature, it's sin that separated me from God and that 
Only through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ can I be reconciled back to God. So the Holy Spirit was working in my heart back then, even though I didn't know it. And I got interested in Christianity. I went to the Christian bookstore. I bought my own Bible. I must have read 15 books on Christianity. But the thing that really started to speak to me was I read some books on creation evolution. And I believed in evolution at Princeton. But the sad part was, if you ask me why, I really couldn't defend my viewpoint. And that's sad. That's what happens to a lot of people today. They have a belief system or a worldview, but when they're asked to really defend it, they can't. And that was me. So as I read more about creation, I started to say, this makes a lot of sense. We're vastly too complex. I like to use the example of an iPhone. If I take my iPhone, take it apart and all of its components and put it in a box and shake the box, I ask people, how much time will it take before it becomes an iPhone? And everyone says, it'll never become an iPhone. I said, well, you're vastly more complex than an iPhone to think you could have come about by blind random chance, natural selection, survival of the fittest, that's crazy. And that spoke to me. And for the next six months, I battled with the Lord. I remember one day I was on the phone with my friend Marvin in New Jersey, giving him some worldly advice. And I knew when I got off the phone, it was about 11 o'clock. I knew that advice was not very good. I knew who Jesus was at that time. And I got out of bed. I said the sinner's prayer, and on October 12, 1981, I gave my heart to Jesus, and I've never looked back. It's almost 40 years, and I can truthfully say that Jesus is the most wonderful Savior. He has changed me from a sinner to a saint, from bondage to free, and now I am just excited about every day of life. Wow. <laughs> I, can, I, can sense, I can sense your excitement. I mean, what a story. Nick, what did you think? I mean, we, we've been able to work together as a team on this program for uh, well, close to three years. I don't think we've had this delightful, amazing testimony in some time, maybe ever. Yeah, well, well, the first thing that came to mind um, is obviously you just gave, for those listening, you gave your, uh, your testimony last week. Um, and what I'm thinking is if you know anybody who's interested in, in Darwinism, just send them to Princeton. And then all of a sudden they're going to become <laughs> they're going to become creationists. Amen. Oh, that's funny. Well, you know, the, one of the great thinkers of the Christian faith, perhaps the the greatest intellectual of all time, was the very first president of Princeton University back when it was called the College of New Jersey. Okay, and that's Jonathan Edwards. Mm-hmm. That's I'm right. star- staring at on the shelf of my two volume, um, you know, like the the complete writings of Jonathan Edwards and. And Jonathan Edwards was a brilliant thinker. I mean, he loved every area of thought. I mean, philosophy, mathematics, you know, all the fine arts. And then, but especially, he loved theology. And he practically would, every time he'd get on a horse, he would take his little booklet to start writing some more letters or, or treatises on different topics he'd thought about. And so that's kind of the place where we were. But, you know, uh, today, Princeton is not exactly the way it was under Jonathan Edwards where it was, you know, more Christ Bible focused and there are Christian groups on the campus and speaking of which, I think uh Kurt Blattman, you've actually spoken to one of those campus groups at Princeton. Would you just just give us a thumbnail sketch of how that happened and what did you talk about? Sure. I've spoken about three times on campus. Once in nineteen ninety when my book The Challenge came out, I was invited to share my testimony 
and I had shared pretty much what I had shared with you as far as being an atheist. And I right. told the students that I had never read the Bible. And one of the students came up to me after I gave my talk and said, what could somebody have said back then would have made you consider reading the Bible? And I quoted him a quote from the back cover of my book. It says, we account the scriptures of God to be the most sublime philosophy. I find more sure marks of authenticity in the Bible than any profane history whatsoever. I asked the student, you know who said that? He said, no. And I said, well, it was I, Albert, I, I'm sorry, it was Isaac Newton, perhaps the greatest scientist of all time. Mm. And what happened, Satan is very clever. He does not want you to know a lot of the things that we share about apologetics. When I was a student at Princeton, I was very scientifically oriented, and my belief system was you couldn't be a scientist and believe the Bible. That was a mutually exclusive belief system. Hmm. And then about six months later, I spoke at a church in Long Island, and I began to share a few more things. I started to share about Robert Boyle, the founding father of modern chemistry, that he devoted a large amount of his own personal wealth for Bible translation work. Well, if you would have told me that when I was on campus, I would have been very uncomfortable. I knew who Robert Boyle was. I knew who Isaac Newton was. Hmm. And then I mentioned Lord Kelvin, William Thompson, who helped lay the first transatlantic cable. He helped formulate the first two laws of thermodynamics and mathematical terms. He was elected at age 22 to the youngest professor ever at Glasgow University. It was his habit to open every one of his lectures in prayer. Well, you would have slowly began to dismantle my whole belief system. Then if you would have told me that Samuel Morse in 1844, when he invented the telegraph, his first message was from Numbers 2323, what has God wrought, you would have totally decimated me. And then for one good more measure, I answered them and said, what about Johann Kepler? the founding father of physical astronomy who invented or formulated the first three laws of planetary motion, when they asked him what he was doing when he was searching the far reaches of the universe, he said, quote, I was merely thinking God's thoughts after him. Wow, you would have decimated, completely destroyed my belief system, but I never knew any of that. I still went on my merry way thinking that we were the chance collision of random molecules that over vast eons of time became more complex, etc. And that's what apologetics can do. If you're open-minded, it can plant seeds and let you start to think maybe you miscalculated or maybe you have a, a worldview that's not so accurate. And that's mm. kind of what my book, The Challenge, is all about. Mm. Today we're talking with a uh, Princeton graduate and, and fantastic um, apologetics and, and I would just say rising star. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> your star has been rising, uh, Kurt, uh, for 30 years. Anyway, rising star, Kurt Blattman. And he has been a dear uh, friend and a kind of a colleague in prayer. There's a couple of, we, we won't mention the names, but a couple of uh, key Princetonians, uh, more or less in our era, and I mentioned their story, Kurt, and their need of, of understanding and waking up to the reality of God, the reality of, of Christ. And Kurt didn't just say, oh, that's interesting. He said, let me start praying for them. So, Kurt, if I can just say that your heart for the Lord um, is just um, wonderfully encouraging. And thank you 
for being a friend. Now, if we want to just tell people real quickly, um, if anyone wanted to check in to what you're writing currently, like online, what would be the best thing that we could just point them to? I well, mean, right now, I, go ahead. Yeah, I started back in June a daily devotional mm. on Bible apologetics. Basically, wow. every day I put out a short devotional that tries to touch on a different area of apologetics. It's designed to encourage the Christian and to challenge the skeptic. It's a website called BibleApologetics.org. And if you check out that website every day, you'll see a fresh new devotion that I really believe if you're a Christian, will it get you more excited about the Bible and its author, Jesus Christ? And if you're a skeptic, it may just place a pebble in your shoe, making you realize, maybe I misjudged this Jesus Christ. Today, again, we're talking to Kurt Blattman, um, author of The Challenge and a tremendous um, resource on apologetic. You're available in that greater New York City area um, to come and speak and on topics of apologetics, right, Kurt? Yes, I've been doing that for about three years. Professionally, I started out as a banker. I worked for J.P. Morgan Chase as a vice president of finance for 26 years. Then I retired and started a second career as a counselor for homeless men at the Bowery Mission, also in New York City, for about 11 years. And then about three, four years ago, I started a third career as a Christian apologist. Mm -hmm. And just as an aside, I knew I could use a little more knowledge, so I went back to school at age 64 and got my master's in Christian apologetics from Biola University. Wow. You're never too old to go to school and to learn, and all of that information has only been extra helpful in helping me uh, write things, especially on my blog, and to mm. get more mm. speaking engagements in the local area here. So. I really believe knowledge is important, but prayer is even more important. It's so important, yeah. even in the field of apologetics. We know we have all the good answers. Christianity is dazzling as far as its intellectualness, its uniqueness, its transformational power. But if you're closed-minded, it won't do a hill of beans. That's why prayer is key. Prayer and apologetics is a dynamic duo that can mm. transform lives wonderfully. Mm. Okay, man. I mean, I feel like I'm back in, in um, the most exciting classes of my seminary right now as we are interviewing a dear friend and a colleague in this work of uh, explaining and defending the truth about the Christian worldview and the supporting evidence. I know we just have, uh, Nick, a couple minutes left, but I just thought, Nick, if you have any questions, feel free to, to jump in. But let me just uh, mention that if, we, if you have not been following our webinars uh, as, as this program is released, uh, we have just had our second webinar, Steve Meyer, in the evening. But then we have coming up in another about week and a half on April 8th, we have an evening webinar with Michael Behe, uh, who is like the, uh, the superstar, uh, academically speaking, of intelligent design. We also have on April 22nd a webinar, evening webinar, with the one and only Jonathan Wells, author of Icons of Evolution and Zombie Science. And then, uh, winding, winding up, completing our uh, spring series of webinars, we have Hillary Morgan Ferrer, 
the leader of the Mama Bear Apologetics Movement and author, co-author of the Mama Bear Apologetics book. So, um, Kurt, um, don't you think that the Old Testament is exciting now? Like you couldn't even imagine as a Jewish young person that oh, suddenly the, the, the Tanakh correct. explodes? You're absolutely correct. I know that my favorite book in the Old Testament, which most people never read or gloss over, is Deuteronomy. Mm. And that's because God has a way of making everything in the Scriptures exciting. It's how you approach the Scriptures. If as a Christian you say, well, I guess I should read the Bible, I'm a Christian, you're not going to get much out of it. But if you say, God, everything in your Word is exciting and dynamic and has a chance to transform me, open your Word to me, God. And that's how I approached Deuteronomy, and he made it exciting and dynamic. And you're correct. Yeah. As a Jewish Christian, I gain deep knowledge from the Old Testament that is important in helping me interpret the New Testament. And as an and aside, Hillary Morgan Ferrer was a classmate of mine at Biola. Wow. So that would be an exciting thing to watch. Uh, yes, she's, she's one of a kind. And of course, I was mentioning how exciting it is for me to know your background as a, you know, your Jewish um, background faith, and of course now it's not you, you haven't rejected your Jewishness. You've completed your Jewishness. Isn't that a great to, to think of yourself as as completed Jew? That's the, the, the exact way to look at it. I feel 100% that I am a completed Jew. Without Jesus, yeah. you're incomplete. But with That's, Jesus, you're more than a conqueror. Wow. And of course, Ze Ze Zechariah 12:10. I mentioned, and maybe you can write on that in your Bible. Um, you know, the daily devotions, but I just love where, where God is speaking in Zechariah 12. It's in the context of the events surrounding the, the return of Christ and the tribulation, but he says, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. This is God speaking. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And Amen. the way that that fits as a prophecy of what Christ would go through out of love for us to, to die in our place, to pay the penalty of sin, and to rise again and explode into smithereens, this evil, wicked enemy called death. And I just think that's exciting. And I just you're, when I think of Zechariah 12.10, I'm thinking of you. So, Kurt Blattman, any final word before we turn it back over to Nick Shalna? Just get excited about the Bible. On my book, on the back cover, I have a quote by me called Bible Fever Catch It. And if you're looking wow. for a good apologetics website, go to BibleApologetics.org and you'll see my daily devotion. And drop me a line if you like it, don't like it, anything you might want to share. That's great. Well, Kurt Blattman, um, one who not only got a degree from Princeton University, but who catapulted beyond that, that level of education to the highest level of education, which is the Word of God tutored by the indwelling Holy Spirit who enters our lives the moment we trust Christ, a free gift of salvation, eternal life. I mean, it's just that spectacular truth just shouts the truth and truthfulness, the accuracy of the Bible when, it's, when it woos our heart that way. So thank you for being with us, Kurt. And um, Kurt, would you consider coming back on from time to time? Anytime would be a great privilege, Tom. Nick, well, much appreciated for the opportunity to share. Well, we're grateful to have yeah. you here, Kurt. Um, and you said your book is your book is available on Amazon, The Challenge? 
Yes, it's available on Amazon. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Check that out. Uh, And you said BibleApologetics.org. You have a blog on there. So check out BibleApologetics.org. Kurt Blattman, thank you again so much for being here with us. We look forward to having you back on the show. Um, And thank you for listening. Once again, check out our seminars. You can find that on apologetics.org. As Dr. Woodward just mentioned, we have some great, awesome people coming to speak uh, at those seminars. So check that out. Be part of that. And if you have any questions or comments, send us an an email at information at apologetics.org. That's information at apologetics.org. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you back here on The Universe Next Door. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next Door.